All right, Mark chapter number one and verse 14 and 15. And actually, we're going to really, we'll just read these verses and then we're going to go to Daniel chapter nine and uh, keep look. Um, this week and next week, we're looking at Daniel nine, the prophetic time schedule here. Verse 14, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So the call to repent and believe the gospel, uh, it has to do with the prophetic timeline. The time is fulfilled. And it was time for Israel on that time schedule, and that's what we're talking about, to take uh, right on time there that the prophets have been talking about and Daniel and so forth, where the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ starts. And now he's going to be pre preaching the gospel of the kingdom and, of God. And the gospel of the kingdom is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. The prophetic time schedule, that's kind of, uh, again, we talk about it, and I'll say something Sunday morning about the 70th week and run right through it, and looking, because we're going to be gone, you know, for several weeks, I was like, well, let's just take some time and look at this so that we understand that Israel works on a time schedule, prophetic time clock, and that clock... When the Lord says here it, it is fulfilled, time, the time is fulfilled, that on that time schedule, here's the place right where the Messiah is to show up. Right, the believing remnant is there, and he's there. And now it's time for Israel to respond positively to everything. Now, we know the story, they don't, but that's where the time clock comes in. Come back with me to Daniel chapter 9. And we started looking here last time in Daniel 9. And I just want to pick up here and then we're going to work through, remind ourselves of a few things and then just keep working through this passage. Because in Daniel 9, you have the Jewish time schedule that's going to start with Israel going into captivity, the Babylonian captivity, the 70 years are over. We looked last time, 70 years, those Sabbaths for the land to be clean, clean, cleaned up and so forth. All of that's come to an end. Daniel knows that. He understands it. He looks. He says, hey, what Jeremiah said, what Second Chronicles said is here. Now it's time for us to go back into the land. In verse 24, Gabriel comes, talks to Daniel, says, you know, slow your roll. Here we go. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. So last time, point we looked at these last time, the first issue here is that the 70 weeks here are determined upon Israel, thy people, and the city. It doesn't have anything to do with the dispensation of grace or the church, the body of Christ. Okay? And if you, if it, the prophetic time clock, all of prophecy focuses on Israel and her city, Jerusalem, city of the great king. And how, if you understand this and you approach the scripture then this way, then you're on the right foot. However, 99% of Christendom doesn't do that. We hold to a premillennial viewpoint they don't hold, they have, a, they have all these different ideas. And if you believe Israel and Jerusalem literally and you understand what's going on here as a literal, the normal way you would read it, this is what's going to happen, then everything's good. But if you don't and you begin to say, well, Israel is really the church, the body of Christ, spiritually, okay, the blessings are ours, the curses fell on national Israel, then Jerusalem is your hometown, and Judea is your county, and Samaria, you know, all that stuff we looked at last time, then you're going to have trouble. And honestly, that's where it is. So the first point, if you're making points, is that 
upon thy, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. The focus of Daniel's 70 weeks is Israel and Jerusalem. Then we looked at the 70 weeks issue. And that, that time table is 70 weeks of years. Okay? And again, last week we looked. You can have weeks of days, weeks of weeks, weeks of months, weeks of years, and so forth. And we, we spent a lot of time to looking at that. So if we've got 70 weeks... And a week is seven years, Genesis there we looked at, Genesis uh, 29, 27, okay, from last time. So we got 490 years, and that's, the, that's where we're at, 490 years, okay? And that's the, that is the breadth of time here that's going to happen. Then we saw in Scripture that a year is 360 days, okay? So then, and so we saw that. Then we, we did a little multiplying out, and uh, I have to f find my cheat note, okay? Otherwise, I can't get the number right of days. And we saw this. So you take this... And we multiply out the 483. We'll do this in a minute. We saw it was 177,000 and, or 173, sorry. That's how much I do this. 880, 180 days, if you remember. We did all that last time. So point one, the focus is on Israel and her city, and then the 70 weeks are, are weeks of years. Point three is we have 360 days in a prophetic year. By the way, that means there's 30 days in a month. We saw that. And this, this issue here, you're in Daniel 9, look at verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. The, that list there, this is coming about to finish something. Okay, The events here are to fulfill and to bring in a conclusion and it's going to come to an end at the end of the 70 weeks. And it's all designed to accomplish some spiritual things with the conclusion in the end of the establishment of the kingdom. And follow that, okay? Now verse 25, and this is where we're going to pick up this evening. Know, therefore, and understand. So what can we do? We can know and we can understand. It always fascinates me when people say, oh, I just don't understand prophecy. You do, if you remember, it's about Israel and Jerusalem. It ain't about you. I hear, I, read, I hear people all the time, oh, we're in the days of the revelation. Well, with COVID was the mark of the beast and all that stupid stuff. And the thing is, is then what you're not paying attention to what Scripture says. Verse 24 is clear. This is upon thy people and thy holy city. That's, it can't get any clearer than that. What happens is, is when you get into the big wigs, and they all like to, the covenant theology guys and the reform guys. By the way, the covenant theology and reform guys are the same. They just change the name for marketing's sake. Okay, And, and actually what they are are preterists. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But the thing is, is it's, it's clear they just don't want to believe their Bible. Now watch verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two. So this is going to begin somewhere. It's going to go out seven weeks, okay? Then there's going to be a break, and then it's going to go 62 weeks. And then we're going to have the cutting off of the Messiah, which is Calvary. So this is 69 weeks. This is 483 years. Now, there's a 70th week, 
if you look down at verse <clears throat> 27, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. So we're going to have a week here, and that's going to be the 70th week. That's seven years. If you remember last time, three and a half, three and a half, 42 months, 42 months, 1260 days. 1260 days that divided up. We usually call this the tribulation, but really it's all tribulation for Israel. So what you have is is you have a starting point. And it's going to start. Now, you remember last time I showed you that stuff in Acts where Paul did and we went back to Judges and tried to get an answer in 1 Kings. All that's back over here off the board. This starts something. Notice verse 25. Because there's specific things on this, in this passage in Daniel 9 that triggers a, hey, that's where we're going to start. So now we're going to start counting from here forward. Okay? And you can get this. You can understand this. So just think about this. There's 49 years here. There's 62 weeks so that's 434, I think. Yep, 34 years here. All right? And the, this, is, this is to accomplish something, and that's to accomplish things. Because when we get down over here to the end, guess what's going to happen? All those six things in verse 24 will be accomplished. Because you have the second coming of the, sa of the Savior and then the setting up of the kingdom. This is all designed to get to the kingdom, but we've got six things to get through, okay? And we've got some things here we're going we're gonna to deal with. Now, notice verse 25. You've got to catch when this stuff ends, when it, be, um, when it begins, when it ends, when it begins, when it ends. Because if you can catch this, then you know more about your prophetic scriptures than the dudes coming out of seminary, or cemeteries, as they call them, the seminaries, all right? Notice what he, the beginning point, verse 25, that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be builded again, and the wall, even in troublous times, and after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Notice something. Notice what's going to happen. The point to start is the commandment to go and build the city. Now, in the Old Testament, you have two books that are what are called post-exile books, and that's Ezra and Nehemiah. And they cover the return after the Babylonian captivity is over and Cyrus and those guys are there. And then it covers that the return of Israel to the land. Uh, come back with me to 2 Chronicles 36. 2 Chronicles 36. 2 Chronicles 36. This is the last reference in a Hebrew Bible, by the way. And it's got them going back into the land. Second uh, Chronicles 36:22. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me, and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judea, who is there among you of all his people? The Lord his God will be with him and let him go up. Now, you have that declaration. Ezra and Nehemiah cover that. Okay? Now, in Ezra, they are going to go back and they're going to build the temple. In Nehemiah, they go and build the city. Three separate commands for Israel to go back. Cyrus, Darius, and, and, our, uh, and, and Ezra. It's Ezra 1, Ezra 6, and then um, our, our, uh, 
Yeah, yeah, our, our art exerceries in chapter 7 of Ezra, okay? By the way, Artaxerxes, that name is like the name Pharaoh. It's like Siri, uh, uh, series, Siri. <laughs> it's not like Siri. It's like Caesar. Get, my, get the X's out of my mouth, okay? And they're going to go, but they're going to go back and build the temple in Ezra. Daniel 9, 25 says, you start marking time when the commandment to go back to build the city. The city is what is needed. Why? Because that's where the king is going to sit. See, the temple comes, but the issue in, come over to Nehemiah chapter 2. The issue with starting the time clock is not the building of the temple, but the building of the city, because what is prophecy all about? Daniel 9, or Daniel 2, 44 and 45, it's about the coming kingdom of God destroying all the kingdom of man and being the rightful king. Now, what happens is, is the predominantly in Christianity, they say that the time clock started with the rebuilding of the temple. They fail to read Daniel 9.25. And they say, that's where it should start. So then when that happens, then you got all a bunch of mess, because then nothing's going to line up. <laughs> okay? Now, Nehemiah chapter 2. That's where we need to be. In Nehemiah 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, um, Arte- I'm going to butcher that name, Artaxerxes, Arte- Arte- <laughs> I think of that guy on that movie 300 with the, the Muslim guy and all that, anyway, the king, that wine was before him and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king, now I had not been before time sad in his presence, okay? Now, when he, by the way, when he's, this is Nehemiah. He's sad, okay, heavy heart. When it says Nisan, that is the month Abib in Exodus, it's our month April. It is the first month of the religious calendar of Israel, all right? And that's going to be in, important here. The date... At the top of the page, just so you see this, is 446 B.C., okay? Now, in B.C., you count down because we're going to zero. Art's dad was on the throne through up to 465 B.C. What year does he say we're in the reign of? The 20th year. So you minus your 20, you got your 446. Now this is going to be important here in just a minute. It's in the month Nisan, okay, or Abib, or April. Now it's going to be important here in a minute when we get over into Luke 19. So just kind of keep that in your, in your, in your back of your mind. Verse 1, he's in this pre- sad in his presence. Verse 2, wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thou countenance sad, seeing that thou art not sick? This, this is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. And said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Why are you sad? Well, I'm sad because the city. Notice Nehemiah, in concern about the temple, he's concerned about the city. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchre, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be? 
and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I sent him a time. What's the schedule going to be? Nehemiah is going to go. What's he going to go do? Build the city. Now watch verse 6. I'm sorry, verse 7. Moreover, I said unto the king, if it please the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river that they may convey me over till I come to unto, into Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which appertain to the house, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me, according to the good hand of my God, upon me. Then I came to the governors beyond the river, gave them the king's letter. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me, and off he goes. What does Daniel 9.25 say is going to happen? From the commandment to go restore and to build Jerusalem, all right, the, street, the end of that verse, the street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. They know, by the way, the building of the wall, they knew the walls were, were important for a nation, for a city, for protection. But notice that the commandment to go and build the city is in 440, I guess this should be five and not six, 445 B.C., okay? So at the end of, now we're going to run out, 173, 88 days, we're going to run out 483 years. And when you do the calculations, and I said it last time, Sir Robert Anderson did this, it's in his book, uh, The Coming Prince, and so forth. Uh, Harold Hawkman, I think that's his last name, did this in the 20th century as well. They used two different ways of calculating, and you know what they came to? 17388, this should be a three. 483 years, and you know what they did? They came to the fact that when you come over to Luke 19, come to Luke 19, when, this, when, this, when the Lord says this in Luke 19, it is exactly 173,880 days after the commandment to go forward. The command to go and build the city is Nehemiah chapter 2, 1 to 8. When that starts, whoops, that starts, can't pick my own feet up. <laughs> that would have been an interesting fall for the video. That starts the prophetic time clock. They're going to have 49 years to get some things done. They got 434 years to get some done. By the way, the wall and the city are built in troublous times. You read Nehemiah. It was not an easy go. He constantly had enemies come up trying to stop him and thwart him. They got things to go. And then after the 69th week, Messiah's cut off. Not in the 69 weeks, but in, in, in Daniel 9, it's 26, it says, and after. Luke 19, got Luke 19, verse 41. Luke 19, 41. Luke 19 is going to fit right at the end. And again, the parallel passages in Matthew and 21 and stuff like that. Matthew 21, Mark 11, John 12, okay? Luke 19, 41. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. Verse 28, down there. They come in, verse 38, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. He's right, that triumphal entry, they call it. He's riding in. Guess what day of the week that is? That's the 10th of Nisan, April. Because the 14th is Passover, and that's when he's killed. So he's riding in same month as when the start date is, is when the end date is. Okay? You follow that? What's going to happen? Verse 41. And when he was come near and beheld the city and wept over it. Again, the city, Jerusalem. Saying, if thou hadst known even thou, 
at least in this thy day. The ending point of the 69 weeks is, what he's, is where he's at. Okay? If you'd have known. Why didn't they know? Unbelief. Daniel says you can know and understand. They had no clue what Daniel was talking about. For the days shall come upon thee, verse, uh, well, verse 42, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Unbelief. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visit. What's going to happen to them? The end, come back to, hold on to John 9, uh, Luke 19. Come back there to Daniel 9. What's going to happen to them? <laughs> They're going to face some trouble, aren't they? Look, Daniel 9, look at verse 26. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Okay? So now we're going to run in here. It's a gap of time. And there's a gap of time in, pro, in the prophetic scriptures that is unknown how long. You know it's going to run. What's going to happen to them? Well, the people of the prince that shall come, that's going to be the adversary. What are they going to do? They're going to destroy the city, aren't they? There's going to be, and the sanctuary, and the end shall be with the flood. There's going to be a flood. There's going to be a war. There's going to be some things happening. Actually, the rest of the book of Daniel, chapter 10, 11, 12, all these things are going to be happening in this gap. Verse 27, and he shall, he, that's the Antichrist, shall come confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abomination he shall make it desolate, and so forth. So then you get a description of how the week's going to be, the 70th, but before that, there's a gap of time where the cross is going to happen. Then there's going to be a city and a flood and a war and desolate. All this stuff's going to happen to them. The, in Daniel 10, 11, and 12, there's a great battle between the king of the north and the king of the south, and there's a deliverance, and the Antichrist over here, he sets up his peace policy, comes in and delivers Israel from, from the war. And they sign the covenant with death and hell, Isaiah says. So there's things happening here after the end of the 69 weeks. And, and okay, got that? Now go back there to Luke 19. Because in Luke 19, that's exactly what the Lord is saying. In Luke 19, 43, For the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay you even to the ground. What are they going to do? There's gonna be, they're going to come for the city and the sanctuary, right? There's going to be a flood. There's going to be a war. There's going to be all of this trouble in this gap period of time here. Unknown, unspecified time. It's going to happen, Okay? Now, there's gaps in prophecy like this all through the prophetic thing. The prof the, there's a gap in this in the Luke 13 where the Lord extends everything a year. And that sits right in there. Luke 13. The city, the flood, the war, none of that's happened yet. It's all future, okay? You follow me? Or as they say, you feel me? <laughs> okay? That's about as urban lingo as I can get. So the 70th week begins, has a beginning, and it has an end. The 69 weeks have a beginning, and it has an end. And Luke 19 is right there in the end. And he says, hey, it's going to end with you guys. Now thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. 
it's going to end with you guys just being laid waste. Now, there's something interesting here about this. Come back with me to, well, you're in Luke 19. Look at there at verse 38. Saying, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. That is a quote out of Psalms 118. But when you go back to Psalms, so go back to Psalms 118. When you come back to Psalms 118, there's actually more going on in Psalms 118 than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John deal with. Psalms 118, and you need to catch this, okay? Psalms 118, verse 22. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. Sounds like what Paul talks about in Romans 9, 10, and 11. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus Christ is going to quote this in Matthew 21 to the leaders about the judgment coming on them. I'm taking the kingdom from you, and I'm giving it to the little flock. Matthew 21, verse 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, right in there. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, every one of us have heard that been used and how beautiful a day it was today. It, that ain't talking about today. It's not talking about, it's not associated with us today at all. It's a special day associated with the presentation of the Messiah. It's a day of thy visitation. It's something specific going on. It's not a great, oh man, what a boy, this is the day that the Lord has. No, it's not that like we use it today, dumb thump Christians. He's talking about this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Verse 25, save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. There's the kingdom. Send the kingdom. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. <coughs> There's the kingdom. That's the quote out in Luke 19, Matthew 21, John 12. That is Zechariah 9, 9 being fulfilled right there. Now look, if you will, at verse 27. So the, six, so the 69 weeks end with the presentation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, thy king cometh. There he is. Had they believed that he was the Messiah, had they received him as who he was, then they would have done verse 27 to him. God is the Lord which hath showed us light, bind the sacrifice with cords even unto the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. They, if they, if Israel had believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, they would have done to him what Abraham did to Isaac in Genesis 22. They would have bound him. They would have put him up on the cross. They would have said what Isaac said, Dad, we got everything here, but where's the lamb? They would have done that, but they didn't believe. Now, they kill him anyway. Peter says it's with wicked hands that you crucified. See, they had wicked hands. They would have killed, they would have took him just... By, by verse 27, you ought to write Genesis 22, 7 to 9, because that's exactly what they would have done with him, is they would have taken and done to him what Abraham was doing with Isaiah in Genesis 22. Take him up, that wonderful picture, pre-prototype of the pre, what do they call it, the pro-evangelist, type of Calvary. There it was. And he says, man, if you'd have just got me, that's what would have happened. But they didn't. They weren't walking by faith. They were in unbelief. Okay? Now, Daniel 9, we got a time period. We got a gap in Luke 
three, we got a gap. The cross fits in the gap. Then we're going to have the city and the sanctuary destroyed and the flood and the war. There's a gap of time here, okay? And this, <laughs> I'm looking at my notes. This, this is so important because what happens is, is when you leave the biblical viewpoint and you move over to what is called the preterist view, you know who R.C. Sproul is? He's a preterist, or was a preterist. James D. Kennedy, he was a preterist, or is a preterist. Hank Hanegraaff, preterist. Covenant theology guys, reform theology. And what the preterists say is that everything was done in 70 A.D. Because what happened in 70 A.D.? Titus, the Roman general, comes in and he comes into Jerusalem and destroys the temple and begins to remove Israel out of the land. But what they forget to tell you is that in 115 A.D., he's back, and then in 135 A.D., he finally got them all out of Israel, the land. See, they don't tell you about the other two. They focus in on 70 because in 70 A.D. he went in and he destroys the city and the temple. So what they do is they say the stuff in Daniel 9, come over to Luke 21, okay? Luke 21. What happens is, is they say all that stuff in Daniel 9, 26, there are the roars and the flood and all that stuff. We see it happening with Titus in history. Now, what are they missing? Who was, what event was going on in 70 AD? Well, there's another gap, isn't there? And it's called the dispensation of grace and the mystery. And a guy called Paul. Now, this gap sits over here, by the way, but because of all that. And then this stuff is going to happen over here. <laughs> if I can flip it, I should have paid attention. I was... In 70 AD, what was God doing? Forming the church, the body of Christ. He wasn't doing prophecy. He's interrupted the prophetic time clock. You follow that? I hope. Think about this. In this time period, what's happening after the end of the 69 weeks? After Luke 19, the Lord looks over, weeps over the city of Jerusalem, thy visitation. If you had only known and only paid attention, only believed, he says, after that, we're going to have the cross. Luke 13, we're going to have an extension, another gap. Of a year, that's the Acts period, one to seven, one year. What happens at the end of that year? He looks down, we got us another gap, don't we? Another interruption, the dispensation of grace, mystery, Paul, Romans to Philemon, there we are. What happens after this? Well, it ends with the rapture, and now we're going to have the city and the sanctuary, and we're going to have the flood and the wars, and the rumors of wars, and all that other stuff. And then at the end of that gap, we're going to have the signing, which is in Revelation 6. That's where that information, the four horsemen show up. That's all Antichrist. That looks better than a minute ago, doesn't it? I hope. Okay? You see, you got all this stuff going on in this prophetic gap here, in the, in the prophetic timeline. Daniel sees to hear... And then sees, he sees all the way across, but he doesn't see that interruption and our interruption. Okay? All right, let's close in a word of prayer. No, just kidding. Luke 21. You're in Luke 21. What the preterists do is they say in 70 AD, they don't recognize the additional year. They don't recognize the dispensation of grace today. 
Hank Hanegraaff, I was sitting in a meeting with him, he was te teaching, and a guy asked him about it, and he says, you're, you're basically, in his polite manner, is that you're too stupid to ask me a question like that. And he said, this is, we are spiritual Israel, that we're enjoying the blessings of the kingdom today while they were faced with the curses uh, of unbelief. But we're operating, and he got this pious, pompous attitude about him. And I'm sitting there going, dude, have you not read the scriptures? And he doesn't. He reads books about them or whatnot. But he comes from a viewpoint that fails to recognize a premillennial viewpoint. And the premillennial viewpoint is that the Lord returns before the millennial kingdom. They don't believe that. They have a whole. They have an amillennial viewpoint, which is after he returns. And they got all this stupid stuff. But the problem with the preterist is Luke 21. Okay, and that's why I want to kind of look at this just real quick here. Luke 21, look at verse 20. Now, Christ is talking about the tribulation, the 70th week. He's talking about his return. Okay, and what are you going to see? And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. How many times in human history... Has Jerusalem been compassed by enemies? More than once. Titus was just once in a long line. Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> okay. 22. I, I'm sorry, verse 21. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of of it, depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter therein. Isn't that an interesting? Matthew 24. Hold on here. Look at Matthew 24. Look at how Matthew 24 describes this event. Luke 19.21 says, Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains. Matthew 24.15, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whosoever readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Jerusalem, I'm sorry, in Judea, flee into the mountains. When are they supposed to flee? They're supposed to flee over here when they see that desolation, Daniel 9, 27. Luke, you know, again, viewpoints, man, and so forth, a little different. Luke, 9, uh, Luke 21, 21, uh, verse 22, okay? So in Luke 21, by the way, we're in the middle, the midst of the 70th week is where we're at. We're not back here. We're in the midst of it. See how we moved. What are you going to do? Guys, you're going to see the city surrounded. Then what did Daniel tell you about? The Antichrist coming, the 70th week, Daniel 9:27. And when you see that stuff happening in the midst of the week, it's time to run to the wilderness. It's time to hit the, get into those sanctuary cities. Verse 22, for these be the days of vengeance. Now watch, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. These are the days of what? Vengeance. There's the second coming. When that second coming is done, what does verse 22 say? All these things which are written may be, what? Fulfilled. But woe unto them which are with our child, and to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon his people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down to the Gentiles, unto the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Hey, there's A.D. 70. Bam. And it's like, wait a minute. If that's A.D. 70, then what did verse 22 say? Here's our verse 21, yeah, 22 say. And here's the problem. All things which are written are what? Fulfilled. So that means back over here, A.D. 70, where, where are we? Well, we're not, we're at the end, by the middle of Acts, the kingdom should have been established. 
We should have been through the seven, the seven years and the kingdom established. So that means today, where are we? We're in the kingdom. And you look around at the tomfoolery that's going on today, and you know what we know? We ain't in the kingdom. But you know what they do? Then they start pulling out this, well, you're not a full-blown predator, so we don't go that far. We're just, we're, you, know, we're, you know, all the stuff they start pulling, it's like the Calvinists, a five-pointer, no, we're only a one-pointer or a two-pointer. And I'm like, dude, you're either, you're in it or you're not in it. Which way, you know, but that's what they do. So clearly, 70 AD, there's a problem. It doesn't figure out, okay? And again, really the issue is recognition of the dispensation of grace. And the fact there that the Lord has interrupted the program, and because of that, there's, there's a gap within the gap of time in the prophetic scriptures. Today, we're in the age of grace. By the way, an unprophesied gap. Luke 13 with the fig tree, an unprophesied thing. Daniel doesn't say anything about it. The Lord reaches in and says, okay, give me a year. Acts 1 to 7, bam. By the way, in chapter 7, when Stephen looks up, what does he see the Lord doing? Standing. And every time in the history, in the prophetic scripture, when the Lord stands, what's he going to come back and do? Make judgment time. So what was to happen in Acts 7? Well, what was going on in Acts 8? Do you remember? Look at Acts 8. This stuff isn't hard. I don't get why people make it hard. Well, I understand what it is. They don't believe what they read. And then they go read a different version of the Bible so that they can... They, in other words, their theology doesn't match Scripture, so what do they change? Scripture, rather than changing their theology. Look at, look at Acts 8.1. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad in Samar uh, and throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. What was going on to, to the believing remnant? Persecution. They're running for the hills. You see, this stuff should have started, was beginning to happen. The stuff that Daniel 9 was telling us about, verse 26. This stuff was beginning to happen. Why? Because what did he see? He saw God standing. Instead, he came back with grace and peace and mercy and long-suffering. He interrupted the whole thing. That's what's so wonderful about understanding your Bible dispensationally isn't, now uh, go back to Daniel 9, it isn't to win the argument and run the day, but rather to look there and say, hey, the things that I'm reading about in Daniel 9, verse 26, the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and under the end of the war desolations are determined. That has not happened yet. Because of the dispensation of grace. It interrupted. Now, had he not interrupted, then guess what would have been happening? It would have been ticking. It would have ticked on by. But because he does interrupt it, then it hasn't happened yet. Okay? I had a guy ask me one time, is the Antichrist's parents alive today? And I'm like, what kind of an idiot question is that? Because everybody has parents or grandparents or descendants. Well, the thing is, as the guy was making the point, was if he is, why doesn't God just wipe him out and he doesn't show up? And I said, that's because you don't understand what he says back there in Isaiah 10 about you're the rod of my indignation. I'm going to use you to do what I need done. I'm going to use you to root out the rebel in Israel and purge out the dross. But see, what helps you, though, is today, nobody, who cares about the Antichrist? It's not the issue. But over here, there's going to be an unprophesied period of time that guess who can pop up? The descendancies of the Antichrist. Okay? Now, this time period here, everybody's got different ideas. Some say 40 years, 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Some say one year. Some say six months. Some say the next day. I don't know how long it is. I know one thing, it's not going to be interrupted again. You know how I know? Because Scripture's complete. 
we have the completed word. He's not going to say, oh, here's an appendix B, <laughs> you know, appendix A, appendix B. No, it's, it's going to march on, on its way out. Okay? So, go back to Daniel 9. And verse, or you're in Daniel 9. So what, so what do we have? Last time we talked about all of the timing. This time, tonight, the time's up. So we'll stop here and we'll wrap everything up next time. But you got 490 years. It starts in Nehemiah 2 with the commandment to build the city. Okay. It's going to run out. 483 years, and Luke 19 marks the timing. Bam, right there. Then the, the gap begins, and this is the big thing. And at once the 69 weeks are over, Luke 19, the first thing in the gap is Calvary. Okay? Then it was going to be the city and the sanctuary, the flood, and the war. But there's an interruption there back of a, of a year. Then there's an interruption to the whole program of prophecy, us today. That hasn't happened yet. Okay? In verse 26, it's going to end with war, desolations, floods, destruction. And out of all of that is the Antichrist is going to show up. And then we see in verse 27 the outline of the 70th week. And we'll look at all that next time, okay? So when we talk about the 70 weeks of Daniel, this is all playing into it. All right? It's going to start Nehemiah 2. And it's going to run to Luke 19, 41. Then Calvary. Then you have the Acts period. Then the dispensation of grace. Then the ending of it. This is 9... 26, and here's 9.27. Follow that? It's critical to get. By the way, all of this is going to fall under that one big umbrella term called the day of the Lord. And we'll look at that in the future sometime maybe, after Mark's over. <laughs> okay? Because when you go back and you start reading Isaiah and Jeremiah and stuff, you begin to learn that, you know what, this is... A day has two parts, has many parts in it. Six watches, four watches, two watches, an evening and a morning. It's got all different components to it. And you see, and by the way, the kingdom sits in the day of the Lord, too, when you, when you study that out. Okay? It's critical that you're clear with this as we're going, as I'm, you know, we teach, and I'll say, hey, the 70th week of Daniel, this stuff needs to just come right up into the forefront of your thought of, Okay, that's where we're at. We interrupt it. The dispensation of grace throws a big interruption in that. And then afterwards, the rest of Daniel 9 is going to flow. All right? All right. It's 8 o'clock, so time to be done. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for the instruction and for the look into this so that we can be clear in our minds of what you plan to do with your nation. And as we study here in Mark, that we see that as the Lord begins, he begins right on time in his earthly ministry. In your name we pray. Amen.